Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. John moves into this idea of being honest with ourselves and honest with God. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins out, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fact that he is the one that's faithful to do that. The real deal issue here is what are you going to do with the reality of the sin that still plagues your natural flesh? As a believer, you won't reach a state of sinless perfection until you see Jesus in heaven. You are saved and forgiven the moment you believe, but you will continue to sin in your flesh. John issues a warning about how you view your sin. If you say you don't sin now, you're a liar and the truth isn't in you. Pastor David challenges you today to be honest with yourself and God about your sin and need for a Savior. John gives believers the hopeful reminder that once you confess your sins, you are forgiven. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he begins his message, More Than an Advocate. We are in the book of 1 John as we're going through call to true Christianity, study of the epistles of John, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. We looked at verses 5 through 7. We spoke a whole lot about that idea of Christian fellowship and the Greek word that we spoke about dealing with fellowship, koinonia. And we talked about the fact that koinonia is much more than just sharing a meal together, as cool as that is, it truly is that whole idea of of living life together, really joining together. And as I shared, koinonia carries with it the understanding of community, the idea of sharing in participation with that extreme expression of friendship, that joining together. And throughout the culture, true koinonia shows that common union in life, in things. We may have come from different backgrounds. We may have a variety of different interests and a variety of different levels of education and economics. But the koinonia that Christ brings within the body can join all of that together. A great opportunity of being able to encourage, to strengthen, to gain from, and to give to each other. It's actually through that process of koinonia that our lives, as just as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are encouraged, we're strengthened. We shared about that whole idea of iron sharpening iron, so one brother sharpens another. That's a work of, again, living life together, of growing together, of knowing each other and caring for each other. It's through the process of koinonia that you actually earn the right 
to be able to speak into someone's life. If you don't know someone, if you've never really spent time with someone and shown and demonstrated your love, your care, concern, and you go up and you try to point out an issue, you know, you got this issue going on in your life. Well, I think that that kind of goes back to what Jesus says. Man, you're talking about the speck in his, you got a plank in yours. It's that fellowship of believers, that love for one another that's demonstrated through not only sometimes a period of time, but also just through acts of care and concern and selflessness that we earn that right. And yes, even when that means challenging a brother or a sister, when we see them making bad or sinful decisions in their life, when we hear them speaking uh, hurtful or non-God-honoring words, again, just how they're living their life. Literally, if we see a brother or a sister acting out in ways that we know to be sinful, we know to be destructive, either to their relationship with others on that horizontal plane or in their relationship with God on that vertical plane. It's when we are living life together that we have earned that opportunity to be able to care because they know that we love them because I understand that you're when you speak those things to me, you're doing it out of your love for God and your true concern for me, not just coming in judgmental and but that idea of love and care for each other. The fact is, is when we care for someone enough, we need to be willing to step up and in love admonish the one that's in sin. That's a real true expression of love. And a lot of times, if you're on the receiving part of that, you might not think it is, but what does the word say? Even a loving father disciplines his children. You know, if we just let our kids go ahead and randomly do whatever they want to, we're not expressing love because we care about them. We want them to be whole and complete. In the same way with our relationships with one another. Even Paul tells us in Galatians, he says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, in other words, you who are mature in your walk, you need to restore such a one, but in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Again, part of the process of koinonia, part of the process of our love for one another as brothers and sisters. So when we tie all of those things together, we see for the believer Koinonia, that true, that deep, caring relationship, really does depend upon the spiritual status of our lives. If I'm not walking in the spirit, if I'm walking in the flesh, we're going to have problems with koinonia. If you're walking in the flesh, you're not looking for the things of God, then our relationship is not going to be as close as it could be. We know that our relationship with God is not right. So very, very necessary. And that, I believe, is what the focus that John gives us there. And hopefully you've got your Bibles. We're in 1 John chapter 1. Look down in verse 5. This is what we covered, but I just want to read these verses again. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we're walking in darkness, we lie and we're not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have that fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
when we are walking in obedience to the truth and to the spirit of God, that's when we are walking in the light. And that's the bond that really solidifies that sweetness of the fellowship between brothers when we are walking all for the same goal, same direction. And as I said, we might have a variety of different experiences and backgrounds, but we're all headed toward the same goal of glorifying and honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. Sin and disobedience hinder, they interrupt, they impact that fellowship, both our vertical and our horizontal relationships, both with God as well as with others. And so even though that may be hindered, I want you to understand too, we still remain as brothers and sisters. That doesn't change. And we still remain as children of God. But we are not experiencing the sweetness of that true koinonia with him or with others when sin, when the flesh starts taking over our life. And that's where we're at it's a warning that John gives us beginning in verse 8 of chapter 1 of 1 John. Look what he says there beginning in verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, there's a lot of meat in just those three little verses right there. It's no wonder that the enemy, the enemy of our soul, the very enemy of the plans, the purpose of God, takes verses like these and tries to bring in so much confusion for, for so many brothers and sisters in Christ. We're trying to understand his word, and the enemy comes in, brings in all of this confusion. What John is telling us, first and foremost here, is that in this life, while I'm carrying, while you're carrying around this this carcass, we are still going to be dealing with sin. We are not going to reach sinless perfection. The other morning, I thought, man, this is great. I haven't sinned all day yet. Everything's going well. I haven't argued with my wife. I haven't thought any bad thoughts. Uh, haven't gone in the wrong direction. Then I had to get up out of bed. And it started right there. The encouragement of all of this, even with the reality that, yeah, we're not going to reach sinless perfection, that we're still carrying around this carcass that still wants to do what it wants to do. The encouragement that John gives us here is in those words where he says that it is the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, that cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from the eternal impact and the consequences of our sin. But guys, we do need to understand that does not make us sinless in a practical sense. The sad truth is some churches actually teach that we can and we should reach sinless perfection. And I submit to you that those that are within those types of churches, it's usually two types of people within those kinds of churches. It's either, first of all, the liars that they, they say that they're sinless when they know full well that they still have sin, yet they try to hide it from all the others, so they walk around with this hypocritical uh, shade over themselves. That's the first 
type. The second type that are in that kind of a church are those that are so absolutely frustrated and so absolutely discouraged because they do recognize their sin and their inability to get rid of it and, and to lay it down. Because again, they'd see this and, man, I'm supposed to be perfect and I'm so far from perfect. This is what we see John actually trying to communicate with us here. First of all, when we're walking in obedience, there's nothing to hinder us in those times of both the horizontal and the vertical fellowship when we're walking in obedience. But the problem comes in the fact that we don't walk in obedience 100% of the time. Hindrances come. Blocks come. Frustrations come. The enemy enemy knows our Achilles heel. And we may seem like we're strong, mature, and great. And about the time that we feel that, man, I finally reached that plateau, then that's when the enemy throws that one thing in our life that we realize, no, we're still made of flesh. John moves into this idea of being honest with ourselves and honest with God. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins now, He is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The fact that he is the one that's faithful to do that. The real deal issue here is what are you going to do with the reality of the sin that still plagues your natural flesh, that stinky carcass that we continually have to haul around with us. John tells us the first thing we need to do, even as believers, we need to continue to confess the reality of our need. Yes, my sin is forgiven, but Lord, my life today was an absolute mess. And I want to lift that up to you. I want to confess of the thoughts I had, the attitudes, the words I said. I want to confess before you. And I repent of that. I know my sin is forgiven. But Lord, I don't want to interrupt that fellowship with you. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. And the word is not in us. Please, 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 church, understand That John is not saying that if we sin, we're no longer believers. And neither is he saying that if we try to ignore that sin, pretending it isn't there, that we're not believers. We need to see these verses actually within the context of all of God's word, and in particular, all of John's message as we go on through particularly First uh, John, as he deals with this. He doesn't change his message throughout the letter, but he does give the believer hope right in the midst of all of our mess-ups. He gives us hope in the midst of it. Not an excuse for our sin. No, he's not doing that. Please understand that. But he does assure us on the basis of God's word, God's promises to us that our sin can and will be forgiven as we honestly confess it to him. Now, when I say our sin can and will be, I understand at the cross, our sin was paid for. When we come to Christ in faith, our sin, past, present, and future, has been dealt with. It is forgiven. But the sin that we commit 
today or tomorrow or next week or next hour or in five minutes. That one is still one that will interrupt our fellowship. We're still his sons, we're still his daughters, we're still brothers and sisters together. But that fellowship is what's broken here. This is actually what's called that work of our sanctification. A nice big word, but if you don't know what sanctification is or how that works out in your life, you're really missing something in your Christian walk and you could really stumble. And and I'm gonna go into this for a minute and it might seem like, well, why do you explain that so that way? Because it's important for you to understand where you're at in Christ today, where you were before Christ, and where you're going to be in Christ. It's important for you to understand. Otherwise, it's easy for the enemy to come in and not only confuse you, but to frustrate you in your walk in the Lord. The root word for sanctification is related to the word that we get saint from. Saint. We are all saints in Christ, okay? The word of God tells us, Paul tells us, that we are saints in Christ Jesus. Everyone, and you don't have to have stained glass or a marble pillar. We are saints in Christ. Why? Because that whole word, both of those words, sanctification and saint, both of those words have to do with holiness. They come from the Greek root word hagios, which simply means to be set apart and more distinct than that. It has the fullness of the meaning of being set apart for special use. And within the temple, those instruments within the temple, they were holy instruments. They were set apart from common use to be used for holy use. And for you and I as believers in Christ, we've been set apart from common use and set toward his use for his glory. Every believer is set to be usable and used by God, set apart for special use. That's where we get the word holy. So to sanctify a person is to make them holy. Sanctification is the carrying on to perfection the work that began with regeneration, and it continues our entire life in this temporary realm. We are continually being sanctified by him, okay, by Christ. As a base point of understanding for us, you need to recognize, again, that biblical truth of the cross, and I shared it just a moment. All of our sin, past, present, future, it's, it's covered. The eternal consequences of our sin has been wiped clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. We may still have temporary consequences. You know, if I was uh, abusive to my wife, can God forgive that? Yes, but it might split my home up forever. I'm gonna have the consequences of that. If I misuse my body through the abuse of drugs and alcohol, can God forgive that and cleanse me? Absolutely, but I may have a liver that's gonna be gone in five years. There may be other consequences of our sin. So understand that. The eternal consequences, they are forgiven. The temporary consequences, they may still be there. But eternally, we're washed, we are cleansed completely. And I want you to understand that right now, in Christ, your sin is washed, it is cleared away completely, 
Even as we shared, I think, a little bit uh, last week, we are washed, we are cleansed, we are made white as snow. And you might be thinking, yeah, but pastor, I feel like I'm snow after about five or seven days of smog and traffic. And you know what? That's our understanding. But in Christ, you are white as snow. But I want to give you that understanding. Our standing in Christ, our standing right now before God is we are clean and forgiven. Guys, that is what is called our positional sanctification, our positional sanctification. That is where we stand before God Almighty. Our position before God, if we are in Christ, we are clean and forgiven. We are positionally holy before God. This is how we will continually stand before God as he views us, not by our own works, not by our own merits, but as he views us by the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. When he looks at us through the blood of Christ, he sees us clean and forgiven. But the problem is, on a daily basis, sin creeps into our lives. Even at times, we invite sin into our lives. It doesn't have to creep at all. You can come with a brass band and we invite him in. And as that sin remains, remember that fellowship with God is hindered. That fellowship with other believers is hindered. But as John tells us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This deals with that fellowship, with that koinonia, with God and with others. And that is part of what is called the progressive work of sanctification. That's what John is speaking about. In Christ, positionally, we are sanctified. But beloved, we are in our progress as believers. We are continually being sanctified. If you can receive it, this is the very message that Jesus told to Peter and to the rest of the disciples on the night that he was washing their feet. Remember, as he was washing the feet of the disciples, and I know that the the major lesson there was servanthood and service to one another, but you need to understand when he got to Peter, do you remember what Peter said? Oh, no, Lord, no, 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 not my feet. And then Jesus had to reprimand him and said, hey, if you don't let me wash your feet, you're, you're none of mine. That fellowship is gonna be broken. And then Peter, without understanding what he was saying or what the whole thing was, He said, oh, wow, go ahead then, wash my feet, wash my hands, wash wash my head, wash everything. And do you remember Jesus' response to him? Jesus responded to him and says, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean. What Jesus, in essence, was speaking is, you're already clean. I'm going to wash your feet. And on the physical sense, you can understand, you've been out in the world. You might have got all cleaned up this morning, you know, uh, ready for the day. But you've been out in the world. And if you know in that Middle Eastern culture, they've got open sandals and they're walking along. And after a day of walking around in the Middle East like that, you've got to get your feet clean. In a spiritual sense, you and I can be clean before the Lord. But we spend a day or two out in the world doesn't mean that we are no longer cleansed, but there's just some areas that need to be brought before the Lord. 
Pastor David has been studying three letters from the Apostle John here on The Open Word, aptly named 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Each one reminds you who Jesus is, why you should follow Him, and how that's accomplished. You can learn from these letters and grow in your faith just the same as the first readers did. And if you're new to the Bible and to Jesus, you can learn all about the man who can save you. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die for your sins. He loves you more than you can comprehend, and He wants you to be free from what's holding you back. If you want to take that next step and begin a relationship with Jesus, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we support you and we're praying for you. If you still have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. Here's Pastor David with more information. Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'd love to meet you. So please come join us this weekend for a time of worship and Bible study here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can expect to meet some friendly people and learn more about your Savior. Directions and more info can be found at theopenword.com. Just click on the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. I'm excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. Make us more.